program created by Rio Grande. Offenders police calling all cars, attention all cars, broadcast 191 regarding a holdup. Suspect described as male American, 24 years. 5 feet 8 or 9 inches, 145 pounds. Dark hair and eyes. Wore a gray overcoat and cap. This man is dangerous. That's all. Throws and takes. Never mind that. Give me what you got. What do you mean? Don't stall me, fellow. Where's the money? 
in my pocket. All right, let's have it. Yes, sir. That's all you've got? Yes. How much in that changer? Nothing in there. Okay, bell him down. All right, two bells. Come on up back there. Some guy get out by mistake? No, no, I've been held up. on the night of March 25th, safety operator R.A. Fuller noticed a passenger waiting for his car to stop at 40th and McKinley. He pulled his car to a stop, opened the door, waited while his passenger boarded the car. As was his custom, he watched his passenger's feet and legs to see that he was safely settled, then started his car. He looked around to see if a fare had been deposited in the fare box. Just keep looking ahead, buddy, and you won't get hurt. Look at me again, and I'll shoot you dead. But what do you want? This is a stick-up. Little object resting on your fair box is a gun. Ever see one? Yeah. Okay, pal. Hand over what you got. You won't get very much. This has been a kind of a poor rig. Well, you got paid today, didn't you? Yeah, but I don't carry that around with me. Okay, give me what you have. Well, here's two bags, and here's two fifty-cent pieces, and two tokens. And here's what's in the changer. That makes about fifteen dollars. And all. all right, let me off at the next stop. Keep buttoned up, pal, and you won't get hurt. And don't look around. Don't worry, I won't. Five days later, shortly before two o'clock in the morning, officers James Costello and Elmer were patrolling the district of Los Angeles near West 7th and Lucas Street. I hear the boys down at Georgia are a little worried about that streetcar holdup last week. Yeah. Can't seem to get a line on that bird. Hanson furnished a pretty good description last December. Huh? Well, I got a good one from Fuller. The man he held up on the 25th. Anybody see his face in either job? No. Fuller got a fair look. Everybody identified the overcoat and cap, though. Well, if he's still in Los Angeles, we'll find him, all right. Oh, he's probably in Timbuktu by this time, yeah. <laughs> uh, take it a little slower, Elmer. There's a mug sitting in an automobile. Don't look so good at this time of night. Turn around, Elmer. I'm going to ask this boy some questions. Okay, Jim. Take it easy now. You never can tell about these mugs. He's probably waiting for that chop story joint to close. That's what's the idea, bud. Waiting for somebody? What's it to you? Uh, nothing specially. Just thought this is a peculiar time to be sitting in a car in a public street like this. Anything wrong in that? Well, it all depends. Suppose you get out and let's take a look at you. I've been sort of looking for a gray coat and cap like that. Okay, cop. Now get this, huh? Get back in that baby carriage there and beat it. Get me? Make it fast. I ain't fooling. Okay, bud. You don't have to poke that gun through me, you know. Go on. Shut off. Right. You'll have to move over, Elmer. He's got the drop on me. What's up, Jim? This monkey's got a gun on me, Elmer. Move over. Lean back, Jim. Let me get a shot at him. Oh, don't try it. Why, why you? Elmer. Elmer. I'm hit.
the car, and at the same time assist his brother officer, Hoffman was unable to get a good shot at the fleeing bandit or to obtain a glimpse of his license. There followed hours of feverish activity on the part of the police. Additional officers were added to details, checking parking lots, garages, out-of-the-way storage lots, searching for the bandit's car. Next day, in the office of Chief of Detectives Edwards, police officers on duty and off met for a conference. Fellas, we've got to find this bird that shot Jim Costello. Now, we know he lives somewhere around that district. And here's my suggestion. Let's map out that section in blocks. Let's all take a section and canvas it in plain clothes. We'll tell those mugs that run some of those places that if we don't find out within 12 hours who killed Costello, we'll really mess up that district. How's about it? Okay, Steve. Oh, 
Deacon. Let's move in. We're police officers. You got a man here who's been shot? Oh, I know. Oh, there was a man here earlier this morning. Was he injured in any way? Yes. He told me he'd been shot by some woman's husband. Where has he moved to? Uh, I don't know. I made several phone calls for him. He said he couldn't walk. What were the numbers you called? I don't remember. Yes, I do. I remember one number. It was capital 5341, I think. Yes, that was it. All right. Let's take a look at his room. Yes, sir. Right this way. Right in here, officer. Mm-hmm. Does this man have a car? Yes, sir. A uh, Dodge Roadster. What's his name? Rogers. Glenn Rogers. Okay. Don't let anybody into this room except the police officer. Understand? Where's your phone? Right on the wall there, in the hall. Let me talk to the manager. This is Detective Lieutenant Starrett. I want to get a number trace. Yes, Capitol 5341. All right, I'll wait. When did this Rogers guy move out? Oh, about two o'clock this morning. Mr. Rogers used to work for the streetcar company. Oh, he did, huh? Yes, sir. Hello? Yes? Herman Kroger, eh? 1907 Conductor. Okay. And come on, Shattuck. Let's go see the L.A. Railway Special Agent. Captain Edwards and Lieutenant Scarlett began questioning him. We want to know 
understand us, Vat. We happen to know that you got a call from Rogers and that you went to his house at 2 o'clock this morning and helped him move. Now, where'd you take him? I didn't help him move. Dorothy. Who's Dorothy? That's his girlfriend. Oh, so you do know Rogers? Well, yeah. I know him. A little. Where is he now? Plenty of business. Oh, is that so? Now, listen, Mug. Anytime a guy kills a copper, it's a whole lot of my business, see? Now, you come across. I ain't telling you nothing. Why, you... Take it easy, Jim. Let me talk to this bird. Now, listen, Kroger. You're in a spot. You're guilty of compounding a felony in that you're helping conceal a felon. And you're guilty of helping him escape. Now, there are two sides to this thing, the right one and the wrong one. You're on the wrong side, Grover, and I'm giving you just five minutes to get right. That is, unless you want me to lock you up now. Uh, wait a minute. Got me wrong. I'll tell you all about it. All right, that's more like it. Get started. Well, Rogers called me early this morning, and I went over to his place in his and secret. He told me he shot a copper, and another copper shot him. He said he did it because he didn't want to be caught with a gun on him. Yeah, pretty weak excuse for killing a man. Yeah, that's what I told him, but he said that was his affair. He asked me to call Dorothy, that's his girlfriend, and I did. When they went out to her house, all I did was help him pack a little black handbag with some personal stuff, like shirts and things like that. Where did they go? I don't know the address, but I can show you. All right, come on and do it. Jim, get that. Let's drive Kroger over to the place he says Rogers is hiding. Where is this place, Kroger? It's out in Huntington Park. Well, that's the house over there, the okay. yellow one. Now, you stay here. Derek, you take that side window on the right. Okay, Captain. Derek, you take the back door. I'll go in the front way. Keep your eyes open. Well, there you are. 
the faintest idea that Rogers would beat that murder rap. What's the next move, Cap? Well, the DA's got a hold on him for those two robberies. And there's a charge of possession of a sap hanging over him. Now, I want you, Wessel, and you, O'Connor, to get busy and hang those robberies on that bird. And I don't want any slip-ups. Starch, you and Shattuck stay on this. And see that we get enough evidence to make these charges stick. Okay, Chief. Who's going to represent us on the case? Cliff Crail. You'll work with him in preparing the case. We want those witnesses who were at the murder trial, but who didn't get a chance to testify. We're going to make this case airtight. Rogers was again brought to trial, first on a charge of possessing a sap or blackjack. Conviction followed on this charge in spite of the testimony of witnesses. Then began the robbery trial. For the March 25th crime, Rogers prepared a puncture-proof alibi. Witness after witness testified to seeing him that night. And also on the night of December 7th, 1929, the date of the first streetcar holdup. Finally, on September 11th, the defense called its last alibi witness, Rosamond O'Keefe. Miss O'Keefe, do you know the defendant? I have met him. Uh, calling your attention to the night of December 7th, did you have occasion to see the defendant that night? Yes, I did. And uh, where did you see him? At the Cosmo Country Club. I danced with him. Mm, what time was that? Mm, it must have been shortly after nine. I got there just a little before nine. They were dancing then. Uh, what time did you leave? After twelve. You say the defendant came in a little after nine? Yes. And remained there steadily till you went home? Yes. Your witness, Mr. Crail. You uh, did not go to this dance with the defendant, did you? No. You just met the defendant that night, did you? No. I had met him once before. When? About two years ago. Where? At Miss Gilmore's house. The girl who testified just before you did? Yes. Can you fix the time of this meeting? No. The day? No. The week? No. The month? No. Are you sure you did meet him? No. I mean, yes. Make up your mind. Yes. But... You did see the defendant on the night of December the 7th? Yes. Well, now how do you fix the time so definitely if you cannot remember other dates? When it was called to my attention, I looked it up. Hmm. I had my date yet. My bid to the dance. Who called it to your attention? Miss Gilmore. Does that uh, bid bear the date of the dance? Yes, it does. Did you bring it with you? No. I left it at home. Uh-huh. Is this the only dance you ever attended at which the defendant was present? Yes. Are you positive of that? Yes. Your Honor, I request that this girl be sent home with an officer. That she be ordered to bring to the court this bid of which he speaks. Has counsel any objection? None, Your Honor. That it is so ordered. Rosamond O'Keefe was taken to her home. What happened when her Irish mother discovered what was taking place still brings smiles to the faces of the investigating officers. A much chastened Rosamond returned to the afternoon session of court. Direct examination was begun by Deputy District Attorney Clifford Crail. Miss O'Keefe, you testified this morning that you attended a dance at the Cosmo Country Club on the night of December the 7th, 1929. Yes. And that during the evening you saw the defendant, Rogers, and you danced with him. Yes. That was substantially your testimony. Yes. Now, was that testimony true or false? It is false. What was your answer? It is false. It is false. Miss O'Keefe, 
you whether or not last Monday you talked to Evelyn Kilmore over the telephone, that during that conversation that she said to you substantially that you were going to be uh, called as a witness in this case, that you would testify that you had danced with Glenn Rogers at the Cosmo Country Club on the night of December the 7th, 1929. Yes, that is right. She told you that? Yes. If you're please, for the purpose of the record... At this time, I'd like to stipulate that as far as counsel for defense is concerned, he had nothing to do with putting on what is apparent as perjured testimony. And my investigation completely exonerates him from having anything to do with it. That's the record, so sure. In spite of alibis presented by the defense, Glenn Rogers was found guilty of robbery in the first degree. Have you ever seen a long freight train toiling up a mountain grade? Figure for yourself the power required, the lubricant, that must be used to overcome the tremendous friction. It is significant that 52 of the great railway systems of this country depend on Sinclair motor oil to fight friction and wear in their equipment. That fact is as fine an endorsement as any product could have. But that is not all. Add to that the preference of 150 airlines, airplane manufacturers, and flying fields. Everyone knows how vital lubrication is in the business of flying. In addition, millions of motorists in 45 countries say Sinclair in dozens of different languages to express their choice of motor oil. Bear in mind that the motor oil you put in your car is the one thing that prevents moving metal parts from coming together. The one thing most important in safeguarding your motor investment. Make that oil the best you can buy. Sinclair. Sinclair Opaline is only 25 cents a quart of your Rio Grande dealer. It's the qualified companion product of Rio Grande cracked gasoline. You should get them both at your Rio Grande dealers tomorrow. And now again we hear Chief Davis. Through circumstances over which the police department had no control, Glenn Rogers was never punished for the cold-blooded shooting of a police officer. He was sentenced, however, to consecutive terms five years to life and seven years to life on charges of robbery. Efforts are now being made to free this man and again enable him to prey upon society. Good night for Rio Grande.